0: Welcome to episode 104 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. And we are coming to you at the halfway mark of the 2023 Blue Jays season. Now, sometimes I think it's a little bit lazy to do vibe check after vibe check off off the top. I don't want to do it every episode, but I want to do sort of a a jumbo vibe check, for lack of a better term, on where we are at the halfway point of the season. The Blue Jays are on an 88-win pace that would be uh four fewer wins than last season the year four is 91 so they are in the ballpark of where they've been in recent years although a lot of people would tell you that doesn't exactly feel that way so how is your first half of 2023 vibe check
1: yeah i mean it doesn't really feel that way i don't think right um they have not played some entertaining baseball uh, uh, often enough, I think. Uh, you know, everybody will talk about the runners in scoring position thing. And it really, really has been grim. Like, I mentioned this in, uh, in a piece that I, I posted here. We're recording on Wednesday. Uh, like, they had a 119 Weighted Runs created Plus with runners in scoring position last year. Like, people kind of – those are things that, that stand out. I always, you know, in the years and years of doing this, you know, there are, there are weird gut-punch negative things that I – Find standout. Like, I remember defending fucking Greg Zahn uh, years ago because nobody, Tough you know, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't do that anymore. But, I, like, as a catcher and as a catcher who was getting criticized because the running, you know, teams were running on him too much when he wasn't really getting help from the likes of the great Roy Halliday and AJ Burnett and guys who, you know, were, were good enough at the time that didn't really need to bother with the running game. Um, and it, it wasn't as bad as I think a lot of people thought, but, you know, a stolen base in a key moment, which is to my point, leaves a mark. It's, it's a gut punch that you feel, and I think that that is kind of what happens with the runners and scoring position stuff. You know, it feels like this has been an ongoing story with the Blue Jays forever. And it's like, not really. It's been an ongoing story with the Blue Jays when they're in a slump because that's how that stuff works. Um, but that's not in them, but that's not what we're talking about. It, but, like, they have been real bad uh you know if you look at their month by month uh week by week runners in scoring position uh statistics there they, it's been awful and and you know as we can we can Intellectualize it, but that doesn't make it like more entertaining to watch. So I understand why people feel like it maybe isn't as good as it is, and an 88 win pace is not good enough. This was supposed to be that you know Mark Shapiro said for years we we want to build a a, put a build a build a team, build an organization where they can outperform those objective projections every year. Uh, You know, put systems in place, do things like think about culture and teammates and all that jazz that they talk about, Uh, which hasn't come to fruition. And I think you know there's lots of reasons to think that it still could in the second half but um, you know I, I won't begrudge anybody for saying you know if they <laughs> for not wanting to relive the first half of the season again
0: yeah something I was thinking about today is the idea that one of the reasons I the runners the scoring position thing is big because that's it's just a frustration builder and it's weird it's ugly had a lot for this team and it makes the offense less literally effective than it is good we know the offense is good But to be effective, you have to score runs, and they don't score as many runs as they should. So that's all part of it. But another part for me is that this team and this, you know, this is all wishy washy stuff, but I rarely indulge in the wishy washy. And some, but sometimes I think I do have the right to do it. And it doesn't feel as different from other teams, if that makes sense. Like the team had, you know, they had the home run jacket and it had the antics of, Gurriel and Teoscar Hernandez and the Sunflower Seeds. And, you know, just more of the Vladdy fun stuff because he does more of that stuff when he's doing better on the field. Although he, he was doing quite a bit of it on Wednesday night, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of the Manoa things, you know, the way Manoa acts, which rubs some people the wrong way, but generally speaking, fans are behind it. But I think that not only in the past couple of years have the Blue Jays been a good team, an effective team, They've also been sort of a notably fun team and a team that stands out. And I'm not sure the 2023 Blue Jays stand out, even if they're effective. But you have some of the same guys, you have some of the same Vladdy stuff, and you know, importing some of this defensive talent has resulted in some highlight real plays. But there was um, an identity, and maybe it wasn't always seen as a positive, potentially by the front office based on what they did, but there was an identity surrounding the 2021, 2022, even 2020 to some extent. Um, teams that made them easier to invest in emotionally for fans, like it. This product, because every year it's an entertainment product uh, to some degree, doesn't feel as I don't know creative. Perhaps is the wrong word, but it it, just, it feels like a version of something we've seen a lot when the previous iterations of the Blue Jays maybe felt like something special.
1: I think that's fair and I, I think that's, you know, by <laughs> been by design, clearly. Like you say, you know, uh they, they have uh they've got some red asses out there. They they have gone and got some uh, you know the, the, I, I, I don't really think they have built the team to please Buck Martinez, but he is really a very important uh, uh, part of like a spoke on the their their wheel of uh, of relating to the public and, and making it a product and an entertainment product. You know, so uh, I, they clearly have felt it at times in the past when when Buck starts slagging the team, and then lo and behold, here's Kevin Kiermaier who can never shut up about, and here's here's Dalton Varsho who's clearly a guy who's the you know Buck uh, the, the 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 Martinez-approved mold. Um, and, yeah, that does sort of mean, you know, you, you, put a, you, you put an emphasis on winning rather than being necessarily entertaining, and then you're not winning. So, yeah, that's going to that's, that's gonna hurt the product, um, you know.
0: I wonder, though, like let's say the team was on a, like not a radically better pace, obviously, right? Because if you have a team that's just rushing it, then obviously people are going to glom onto that team. But, so like, let's say the team was on a 94-win pace. Um, which is, you know, just approximately what they did in previous years, but very, very slightly better. I do wonder if the temperature would still be a little bit colder than you'd expect, kind of based on the character or, you know, the lack of flair on the team, whatever you want to call it, because I do, you know, I, you know, and for them to do that, for instance, Manoa probably would be pitching well, and there's all that jazz. But it I just do wonder if there's just something about the fact that this team is, yeah, more uniform compared to the rest of MLB that is just gonna make it a little bit tougher for fans to love almost regardless of the result. I know winning winning absolutely changes everything. If this team, you know, makes it into the wild card and makes a World Series run or whatever. Uh, you know, even wins a playoff round, to be honest, people will talk fondly about the twenty twenty-three Blue Jays, but it, it, there's just the notion that there's something that's been lost here and it, like it may well be for the better like i said if they have improved results but it uh it, it is an odd feeling around this group it is i mean i
1: i would not discount the, the the fact that they're not playing for a division title and that was kind of established in like late april early may like the rays have just raced out so far that that's kind of sapped some of the uh, some of the enthusiasm and, and
0: uh the Yankees did that basically last they year They did though, well, too. Uh,
1: I don't know if you remember last year, but it, it got <laughs> kind of rough for a while too. um, and also the Orioles factor is I think a thing too. I mean, it's like this is you know they were behind the Jays in the rebuild very, very clearly, like 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 the the Vladdy and Rutschman, are 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 they basically the same age or is Rutschman even older, but like Vlad's been in the 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 majors for a lot longer um and that was you know that, that was supposed to be the team that oh they're gonna they're gonna start nipping at the heels soon and now they've like leapt ahead of them despite you know who even is pitching for baltimore outside of the the, the bullpen that they have is pretty good um i i'm sure that that has an effect on on things too
0: yeah although i will say that i'm not sure the division point is a good one i i, I would concede that i the Orioles one is interesting because I do wonder to what degree people are paying attention sometimes. I know the Orioles have come through town and played well, so that's, that's a factor. But I don't think they're necessarily top of mind. Like, I think the Blue Jays fans are more concerned about comparing the 2023 Blue Jays to the 2022 Blue Jays than they are comparing them to the 2023 Orioles, if that makes sense. <laughs>
1: I, probably true, but also I think maybe it's the 2021 version, yeah. that, uh, as we did last week, com- gets the, gets the comparison. Yeah, we,
0: we won't dive deep into that this time. Uh, in terms of the sort of the things that are going around in a more concrete way, uh, I'd say the biggest, I don't know if it's the biggest, one of the bigger news items since we last spoke was the Alec Manoa blow-up in the lowest level of the minor leagues, when a bunch of Yankees, teenagers, uh you know, just laid a beating on him essentially in his first game action, and it's one of those things where logically speaking, you know that the results are not the primary focus, but when the results cross a certain threshold uh you know eleven runs and two point two innings feels like that threshold there you know i think there's a little bit there has to be a little bit more than this to this than just uh oh, that was a rough one whatever no problem
1: <laughs> yeah i mean we watched that in real time right if you were on twitter when that was you know there there was no tv coverage of it but people were watching the game day or watching whatever and as things came in and it was definitely like oh one inning whatever that's oh wait is oh that second inning does oh my god he went back out for a third and it's now up to 11 runs like what the hell uh you know you kind of saw people understand you know it's not it, it's not a huge deal but it is and it it's it, it's uh, I, I wrote in a piece today, like, like Steve Phillips, who I keep quoting for some reason, big this year, favorite this year, uh, I don't understand it for the life of me, but he said a bunch of stuff. He's had some good stuff on Manoa, but he he said, you know, it, it does, the results don't matter, but it does because, you know, this is a new rock bottom. We thought he had reached rock bottom by getting sent to single a, and then apparently, no, nope, there was more depth to, uh, to plumb. So, you know, that is, I think, uh, and something that that as much as the jays will spin, you know there, there there were some fielding issues behind him, his tempo and his velo and his you know he was in the strike zone and stuff he's like, well, yeah, I, I don't know that being in the strike zone and having it smacked by teens is really uh where you want to be with this. um so you know, I don't think anybody wants to. Painted as though it's the end of the world. Uh I think everybody understands like okay, well this is not they're not just they're not just going to get him back by Canada Day. It's going to be a process. Who knows where this is going? It could be bad. Uh, that, that, that that outing obviously, you know, is not representative necessarily of where he is at. Like he was bad in the big leagues this year, but he, you know, kind of uh uh treaded water at times, right? Like it wasn't like it wasn't like the equivalent of whatever that was versus hitters that aren't teens uh so you know you gotta gotta you gotta take it with a grain of salt a little bit um but yeah it was it it was ugly there's no real good way to spin it (laughs) particularly it not being a uh sim game or something that was behind closed doors uh you also get to hear it from all the other fan bases who uh they're the ones who don't really seem to like the way that uh Manoa comports himself.
0: So yeah, so there's two components there. One of them that I want, I want to talk about both. But one of them is the notion that this is all about process. And it's correct that, you know, the game wasn't televised. We didn't watch the game. So there's only so much we can do in terms of analyzing the performance. But I will say that I don't think that there's a single positive process that has results like this. Like when the results <laughs> oh, are are so extreme, it gets to a point where it's like okay well he can't really have been doing anything right if this is the result like i i feel confident enough you know what i mean like if it had been i don't know six runs and four innings and none of them were home runs and it's like oh like he got bad fielding like whatever's dumb stuff he was working on making the slider move and he threw it too often who knows what happened but whatever like when it's 11 runs in 2.2 innings uh, that's a whole, like, you know, like our boy Steve Phillips says, that's a new rock bottom. And, like,
1: it di- <laughs> Unless they're trying to turn him into a batting practice pitcher.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, they, they have Keep hired. Batting. You remember Zach Stewart was the batting practice pitcher for a while? Yeah, that's right. quasi lucrative professional baseball position. Um, it's so, it is, it is a tough thing. It kind of it reinforces the idea that this is, good. like you said, this is going to take a while. And the thing that, I mean, the Blue Jays, in terms of, uh, spin, not a great organization, uh, as we've seen, but um, Atkins went on Blair and Barker uh, on Wednesday as we record, and just mm-hmm. some of the things you say, he says, it just doesn't really, it doesn't make sense, and I know people are going to forget about this, and it's not going to be a big deal, and when you think back to sort of organizational communication failures, things like the Anthony Bass situation are going to be more in people's minds. But when he says something like, "So here's a direct quote, then I saw the details behind the outing. I saw 71% strike rate, which is what we've been focused on. I saw an uptick in velo. So he's throwing the ball over. He's throwing it harder. The delivery goals, uh, he's checking every box on. Those are the things we we wanted to see. The outcome, we'd rather had gone six and done whatever, but his line was comfortable. Uh, But he was comfortable in the progress he made, and we were able to see progress in that outing. It's like, come on, man. Like, no, <laughs> like you, I guarantee you we've watched Alec Manoa. Like I guarantee you Alec Manoa is not comfortable with what went on there. Like it, sometimes it's okay to say, wow, that one really uh, didn't play out as, as we planned, you know, results aren't the biggest deal there. It was good to get him some game action. That one went a little bit sideways on him, but you know, we, fundamentally believe the same things about him as a pitcher this is a process it's going to be okay but like trying to pretend that this isn't bad like it's bad like this is a bad outcome we have to acknowledge that it's bad like we can't pretending that it doesn't suck and it's not a bad sign and it's not something that you know for Manoa's confidence can't be great like it it just I don't know like it it kind of has that feeling of not respecting the intelligence of the audience like we we may not have seen everything we may not have access to all the details he do but we know that he gave up 11 runs in 2.2 innings we know that six of the nine hitters in the lineup were teenagers uh we know the two guys who hit home runs against him had a combined two home runs entering the game in the entire season like it's uh it's some things just can't be spun and it's okay to take an L here and there because in the grand scheme of things, this probably isn't, this is one step in a long process and maybe the process will be slightly longer than they thought, but chances are Manoa is going to be okay after all this. And it is, uh, I don't know. That kind of communication is just frustrating.
1: It's very weird. And I, I mean, I understand that they're speaking to, you know the the player more than the fans in those kind of situations or just doing like you say not going out of his way to not say anything that's gonna blow up into a bigger thing which uh how'd that go with bass um but uh but yeah it's it it it's odd i generally am, am you know that's uh, I, for a very long time and and still to a, a very large extent you know i don't i i'm not bothered by that stuff but I like it's not like i don't see it but i i do feel like a lot of times people are like oh well why don't you like 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 blow will smoke up my ass in a different way like kind of is like you understand that that's what they're gonna do anyway so it's like okay well i don't like i don't care that they're spinning it but I, i i understand though you know that's me speaking to an entire fan base. Other people have different reactions than I do. And, you know, they will feel like their intelligence is being insulted when somebody just says, you know, pisses in their mouths and tells them it's raining. Right. And it, uh, you know, just because it came out at the same time. And I hate to bring up hockey because, you know, this is that that's just, that's, you know, you know, nobody wants to do that, but I don't know if you saw the clip that was going around today. The, uh, the Blackhawks general manager was in Nashville for the draft and some some hockey podcast, maybe fake, I don't know, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, uh, did like a man on the street thing and, and didn't realize, supposedly, that was the conceit at least, that the, they were talking to the, Black, the Blackhawks GM and started asking him a bunch of stuff, asked him if the Blackhawks, you know, if the, if the NHL had rigged the draft uh, lottery for, for his team. You know, like inadvertently doing it and just the the affability, you know, I can't ask Ross to be something he's not, but like the, 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 the personality and the affability of somebody who can, you know, hold in his head at the same time, like, oh, I can be like a, a normal human being and have a conversation and not like, oh God, oh my God, oh my God, I don't want to say any, I don't want to say the wrong thing uh was sort of stark in comparison to, you know, what you see out of Ross Atkins. And that was something Alex had too, right? Like that was uh and, and Paul Beeston very much, you know, just uh uh not quite as uh you know obsessed over those sorts of details and those sorts of worries. Um maybe because they were better equipped to actually have a conversation with somebody who was upset at something that they said and and smooth it over. Um, I don't know. I don't want to get too into like the, the fucking armchair psychology but or whatever, but uh yeah, it doesn't it it does not come off well.
0: Yeah, and like and like you said, there's a certain I whenever I hear a statement from from Atkins, any GM, any executive, there is the acknowledgement that there are certain things they simply will not say, and they cer- there are certain things they kind of have to say. Uh and if anything, when when Atkins doesn't say much, I think sometimes he gets too much criticism it because as a GM, not mm-hmm. saying things, saying more than you need to is rarely advantageous. Um, and so I, I think there have been times where Atkins actually received unfair criticism on the way he communicates. But it's just with things like that, when the truth is very clear for people to see, and it is, uh, yeah, I don't know. This one just struck me a little bit because it was, uh, it was just so. I don't know, it was just so transparent.
1: I want to And and to whose benefit really? Like like as you said, like is Alec Manoa listening to that and being like, "Oh, my GM's got my back and not like, it's like but, what the fuck is but he like, talking about?" like you
0: can about? have his back by saying, "Whoa, that was a rough one." But you know yeah. what? It's just not yeah. about the results and we believe in Alec and sometimes weird things happen out on the mound and it was his first game action in a while we're not concerned. Like you yeah. can just say that. Like I can I can envision a Gibby doing that. Not that Gibby's the the solution to every problem, but um, there's just a way to take that on. I do want to, one more reaction to this, which was, was uh, Marcus Stroman. I had to screenshot this tweet because uh, <laughs> I've been blocked by Stroman many years ago, but I did get my hands on it, uh, which is, I can't wait for Manoa to get back to MLB and make y'all eat your words. All of you clowns hating on another man is just a projection of your insecurities and life struggles. Times like these are when true athletes are transformed, looking forward to his return. And this is a very Stroman-like thing to say. Um, which is cool. One of the things that is true is that, that there's been like you know a lot of support for Manoa from people like Stroman, people like Ricky Romero. It kind of hammers home the whole you know fraternity of baseball players. This is a game of failure type deal where guys get it. Like it might be kind of incomprehensible for fans and outsiders to be like, how did this guy go from so good to having these struggles? I think a lot of these players have a little bit of a better understanding of how things can unravel and get away from you and the mental struggle involved and all that jazz, so that thing is nice that's nice to see I guess the part other part of that, that I think is weird is sort of the idea that like people are trying to bury Manoa, which I don't think is true, and like I tweeted about these results as they were happening because I thought it was you know an, an extremely abnormal series of events and notable like that's why you report, I mean, report's a a strong word for reading about a boxwood. But like, that's why you comment (laughs) on these things, because they are unusual and because they are notable. And I think that his response there, um, Strowman's, again, not particularly surprising, but it does a little bit go to show sometimes the misunderstanding between sort of athlete and writer, commentator, journalist, whatever the case may be, where like people are just trying to put the, of the facts out there or like there you know there's some bad actors and there's some people who do silly takes to get attention and all that jazz but like generally speaking i don't think that people are hating on manoa i think people are commenting on this unusual situation i think generally speaking i and there are other fan bases i'm sure like you said that maybe is different but. I feel like there's this that would that would be
1: my guess is what Strowman was seeing, right? I mean, I think yeah, Jays fans have definitely been supportive, but uh, I have not I've not (laughs) dove into uh, Yankees Twitter. Um, but they, even, even when he was good, they are, you know, they, they have been, uh, loving his downfall, you know, the, uh, and, and why wouldn't they with the, you know, talking about, uh, crossing the Audi sign on, uh, to, to Derek Cole and, you know, Red Sox fans probably don't have a big, uh, a lot of love for Manoa either, you know, that, and that's, goes back to you saying, you know, some people don't like the way he, uh, he handles himself on the field, um, you know, that that was uh, that was a big component of, like, the Blue Jays 2015 team, right? Like, they're kind of dicks, you know. They were our dicks, and everybody liked that here. But, yeah, people were like, Bautista, Donaldson, these guys, like, fucked out. Um, yeah, I mean, if Bautista and, and,
0: was – I'm sure if Bautista was terrible in, I don't know, 2016, coming out of 2015, people would have loved that too.
1: Yeah, I, and and so I I don't know, but I, you're you're right, and I definitely had some some back and forth with people who correctly are like, where is this going on that that Strowman is like, is Strowman just just screaming at, at the at the wind, which is you know also <laughs> a Strowman like kind of thing, uh, but it also would not you know the the, the beauty and the the awfulness of Twitter is that the, the Strowman need need not exist because you can find real life Strowman everywhere for every uh. For, for every stupid side of every stupid argument you want, so yeah there were there were definitely people out there cheering on cheering on his downfall uh I have no doubt of that
0: yeah it's it's a combination of both right like I'm sure he is seeing some Yankee stuff or whatever, and also he is someone who can see like haters quote unquote in a lot of people cool. um pretty much anyone anyway. <laughs> uh I do remember the 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 stroman experience yes. another sort of you know Not ideal pitching development for the Blue Jays lately has been the Chris Bassett experience. Gone from being extreme reliability and very few runs on the board and tons of innings pitched, notably uh, earlier in the season, to a bit of a rocky road over the last couple weeks. Here, you know, we're looking at—I don't know—he had a a great start on June seventh, and but since then, it's been it's been tough going. He's got only one of his last three starts has lasted five innings uh which is un- obviously unusual for a guy who at one point was tied with gosman for the al lead in innings his season-long era is up to 432 you know the fips and the fives and uh you know there's some quotes of him on him feeling not quite right um and so that that is he's a, he's an older guy who's probably dealing with some of that going on and then the thing that's the latest development with him is that the pitch calling is coming to an end, sort of acknowledged that maybe that this was too much to take on in the context of having the pitch clock as well, which is, I don't know with him has always felt like it can be a threat the way it isn't necessarily for other pitchers, just because he's got so much on his plate. Where do you see Bassett going right now? And how do you feel about that? The pitch, the pitch uh, calling changing, because that, I almost feel like that's a shame, just because I like to see guys who go about their business differently, who are willing to be unusual. And I understand when he hits a, you know, a, a speed bump. There's a temptation to be like, okay, let's kind of bring him in line with what the other people are doing. But that, <laughs> yeah, people were doing the Buck and Griff, and those types were doing that after his first bad outing, and, which was his first outing. Yeah, I saw. So I I just. I feel like that that component of it is a shame because I, I think that in baseball it's so easy to fall into conventional thinking, and so the moment you try something different, uh, there isn't a lot of patience with it. But I guess so. I guess that's sort of two parts. Where are we in terms of worry level of Bassett, and how about this? Film? <laughs>
1: uh, I'm honestly not super worried. I mean, that's like purely on gut, but I I, I do think. Uh, you know he's handling right-handed hitters well. Obviously he's a right-handed pitcher, that the, the, but his platoon splits have never been as weird, and the the, the lefties have really been teeing off on him. And uh, the 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 successes he's had against right-handed hitters makes me think that there's nothing you know too far gone in whatever is happening here, and that the lefty issue uh can probably be ironed out. Uh you know, that's just a guess. They think they, you know, uh it, it's weird. I don't you know because he's now given us too many reasons to think that the like okay, oh, so it's the it's the injury and the pitch calling and you know and the lefties and, and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> if it was just one thing maybe it would seem easier to fix. Now you're telling me it's all these, you know, a confluence of all these things. Um but I mean I guess I mean I guess we'll see, obviously, uh when he starts against the Giants here on Thursday. But um yeah, I, I I don't know. I think it's just it, it's it's a little mid-season speed bump and I feel that, you know, it, I'll be more concerned if uh you know, he'll go into the All-Star break, he'll hopefully have enough time to get whatever his heel needs to be healed, uh fixed up a bit, whatever. You know, nobody's saying what the what it is and if that's having any kind of impact that will you know, be a good thing for him. Uh and if he comes out of the break and has a couple of clunkers then then I'll start getting worried and then at that point you know, they're probably they're probably deep into conversations about adding starting pitching anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean the reality is they can ill afford for him to not be effective. Yeah, uh, and there's there's no backup plan. There's nothing but to keep putting him out there and hopes he, hope he sorts it out. Kind of did that with Manoa, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, and the thing that you know continues to work, the left the left-handed hitters thing is a big issue. He is a difficult pitcher to parse. We've talked about that before, just in terms of his kind of dizzying mix of things that he does. And so, you know, they've talked about how his pitch mix isn't necessarily what's wrong. It's the way he's executing against lefties. For me, it really does come down to home runs with him. Like that's where my level of concern with him lies, just because he's been so good at keeping the ball in the park in the past. And, and that's been a huge part of the success and he's played in these big parks and that's no longer the case. Now, you know, we know that Roger Center, the new version of it, has played like a pitcher's park. It's not fair for us to say how it's going to play going forward. But it is interesting that he's allowed three home runs and 46.1 innings at home and then 13 and 47.1 away. So it kind of what we've seen so far is reinforcing this pattern of him. Giving up home runs, uh, plenty of them in parks that are kind of more neutral or hitter friendly, and then ones that are playing pitcher friendly, um, he's done better. Or you know you could all you should twist that into he's just a he's a big routine guy who loves being at home, and maybe that's a factor for him. It's hard to say, but just on kind of raw numbers alone, he's given up sixteen home runs this year. Like that's as much as that's more than he gave up in twenty twenty one when he gave up fifteen in one hundred and fifty seven point one innings last year in 182 181.2 he gave up 19 so he's already closing in on those kind of numbers and that is going to be something that like you just you'd like to see him get through and you know i know sometimes it's a freak occurrence or just a good piece of hitting and so you can't necessarily panic when a home run comes around but seeing him get through you know two or three starts in a row where that doesn't happen would be the time where i start to feel confident that he's kind of flicked in a little bit again weirdly as his numbers have gotten worse some of his expected numbers have actually gotten better for much of the year his expected era was in the fives it's down to 460 obviously not a fantastic number but it is it's odd that he's sort of gotten hard breaks here as well but yeah, I think, you know, you trust in the track record, you trust in him to potentially get a little bit better physically. I, I'm not putting, I'm just not putting much on the pitch calling thing. It's one of those things where if it works, people will throw a split on that and it'll go on the broadcast potentially and all that jazz. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it will probably, like he will probably be better from here than he has been thus far, just kind of based on his career numbers and what we've seen him do. So that storyline, you can, you can be confident that storyline will happen, but whether it's actually what matters or not is going to be impossible to prove. I think that's fair.
1: I, it was interesting to me that he mentioned, you know, that maybe he was tipping his sequencing. Uh, though I don't know why that would. Only God, the, I
0: don't know how the like, case I, against lefties <laughs> also.
1: I don't. I, I don't. I don't like how he was sort of standing. I mean, you know. You uh, know the the, the that side like that that was the side where you know his hand was much more exposed uh maybe it wasn't even in the sequencing that he was tipping that's that's my that's my pet theory based on absolutely nothing except how he stands on the mound when he was dialing it in with his belt uh could shield it with his glove from from right-handed uh, guys on the right side of the box obviously the first base was coach can't see it but the other two the batter and the third base coach uh on the left on the left side of the plate maybe uh maybe there's some motions in there that uh uh that gave something away i don't know i i hope that's true it certainly seemed to go better when he stopped doing that and, and handed over the reins to jansen on the pitch calling but um but that's doing exactly what you're saying it's like you know putting an arbitrary sort of uh, end point on that um but yeah the, the, the home run's definitely an issue uh i got a lot more time for Bassett at this point and like you said we don't have any choice anyway but uh but yeah not not as yet super concerned i think it'll. You know, prove to be one of those, uh, you know, ebbs ebbs uh, that will even out in a flow.
0: Yeah, I think that there's a real chance that Bassett looks more for than three uh, at some point, kind of for going sure. forward, and that like he could be a kind of mild level disappointment in terms of what they're paying and what they're hoping for. Like I as long as
1: Barrios stays okay, I, that, that's I'm Well, sure that's it's what right I'm
0: saying. Is like broadly yeah. speaking in terms of the construction of the team, that wouldn't be a disaster. But like that, yeah. that's on the table. It's definitely a solid chance that he never bounces back to the you know, 2020 to 2022 type of numbers. Those numbers are outstanding. and He's got plenty of room to do slightly worse than that and still contribute to the Blue Jays winning games. That's for sure. But, yeah, about a,
1: about a mile per hour down
0: as well is a thing. Um, in the good pitching, uh, and I'm, I'm not talking about Richards and Francis and Trent Thornton and all that—the the low leverage gang here. <laughs> hey, well, the staff ace, Trent, or, uh, Trevor Richards? Are you kidding me? Oh yeah, um, no, I mean obviously hey, we'll Trevor, Trevor Richards. Let's go deserves a, a real tip of the cap, but. I wanted to call out Yusei Kikuchi because l- since last time we talked, he had 13 innings of one run ball. His first seven innings start as a Blue Jay. Last six starts, a 246 ERA. Um, you know, the FIP is still high. The home runs are still an issue, a big issue. Uh, you know, kind of an existential issue, even with him.
1: <laughs> but less so when he's not walking guys a ton, but
0: yeah. But. It is. uh, This is this is as good as we've seen. This is as good a stretch as we've seen. And you wrote about this, which is a shame because I've uh, I've got something on this coming. They have to figure (laughs) out a way to make it more unique. But the curveball is a really interesting thing. With like this is a new pitch, Um, and
1: well, well, I think he threw it in twenty nineteen, but then ditched it. But yeah,
0: yeah. you're right. Yeah, it's a new it's a new pitch for his recent his Blue Jays career at very least, and if you track it throughout the season, like there's basically no relevant number that it hasn't gotten better by over the week. Like it is got a higher spin rate. It is getting more drop. It is being thrown more significantly more often. It used to just be at the beginning of the year it was really a, you know, it was a show me occasional type of pitch. And, you know, I don't think, it's fair to say, oh, this guy is, you know, this is a, an amazing weapon that's going to make him a totally new pitcher, but it is something that he did not have last year. It is something that doesn't have to be an unbelievable pitch to at least maybe be a floor raiser for him. Like he mm-hmm.
1: Exactly, well put. He is,
0: yeah. uh, you know, he's got the big fastball. We know what the fastball can do. He's got the slider. Like, he... His stuff has not really been in question as long as he's been a blue jay. So the idea of him having something else to turn to, especially as someone who struggled with control at times, maybe there'll be outings where like that's the secondary pitch that he feels able to get over the plate, which will be, you know, better for him than feeling like he can only throw fastballs or whatever it is. Like it is this is a real development that I think matters for Kikuchi. Is he gonna throw seven innings at night? Absolutely not. Is he going to give up tons of home runs because he just kind of pounds the fastball in there and stuff happens to it? Yeah, I think, I think that's, the, you know, we've got years of him giving up kind of two home runs per nine, which is pretty wild. So, yeah, he's, you know, Ace Kikuchi isn't coming through, but, you know, non-disastrous uh, investment Kikuchi looks like a, possibly a real thing here
1: yeah it, it's it's wild i mean we're putting a lot on not a large sample and uh but the like, like you say you know the curveball usage has been increasing the spins are better it's just a, it's just a comfort thing right I mean, It just you know he it, he it looked like he was longing for a pitch that he had some comfort with last year you know like when when uh you know even in a 3-0 count and he threw a couple 3-0 curveballs uh, uh against the a's right like that that to me speaks to how you know, he's feeling about his ability to throw strikes with that. And and obviously things have not been as bad for him this year in uh uh in that regard or really in any regard uh as they were last year. But uh but yeah, just to have to have an offering like that that he could throw for strikes, that he could throw, you know, below the zone, that he and that he just feels like he knows where it's going really uh does open up some possibilities, I think, for him and, and uh, you know, narratively it certainly feels like this is the this this could all be connected, and and uh, with you know the uh, the increase in performance that we've seen from him because it hasn't just been you know it wasn't just Oakland that was a, that was a particularly good uh, uh, outing for him obviously uh best as a Blue Jay but uh, you know it, it's it's been a few starts now that he's looked pretty good ever since the ever since whatever sticky stuff he's getting away with uh, <laughs> started spinning that curveball
0: a little better yeah i mean he it's, it's his best <laughs> pitch by uh, by run value, which you know can be a bit of a wonky stat at times, but you know got,
1: but that's it's, it's crazy because it's a
0: pitch that like
1: he wasn't throwing until six games ago, or he just sort, sort of slowly has cranked up the usage as the year's gone on.
0: yeah, and he you know it's it also is seems to be a very different pitch from the one that he That he did show a little bit in 2019 like that was a really slow curveball like that was a 75 mile per hour type of curveball and this one's averaging 83.6 so it is a little bit of a snappier pitch which might make a little more sense with his high velocity set i mean there are guys who throw super high velocity and have the loopy curveballs too so um you know that's just a subjective thing But having an
1: yeah, if if memory reserves, I think pitch info, pitch info, or the baseball info solutions, um, the the Fangraphs provider of, uh, you know the pitch data, uh, I don't think it has it labeled as a curve. I think it doesn't show him as throwing a curve, um, which uh, which Statcast does.
0: Yeah, I mean that's interesting because he, he has kind of shown multiple sliders before, but. I mean, the, the break on it is just sufficiently different that it is a very, you know, we've got, we're talking about a 10 inch difference in drop. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, it's a very different pitch. And uh, I yeah, we it, it, you said it's too early to exactly know. He has tinkered with some things before. He's, you know, he had the cutter he was using all the time, and then he wasn't using it all with the Blue Jays. And like you said, the curveball, it showed up in 2019. There's a lot has happened with him and you have to be very cautious in saying, this is the thing. Like he, he fundamentally, even though he has the control, like he doesn't at this point in his career have the command to be a great big. Like he just doesn't. And then, you know, he's, he's 32 years old. I I don't necessarily see that changing. Uh, But the bar coming into zero was so low. And then even in the first part, even when he was sort of performing well, him being that five and dive guy, like if, him having more of a repertoire potentially could help him turn over the lineup a little bit more, could help him be more efficient. We'll see. We'll see how all this stuff goes, but there's, yeah, there's a reason to be optimistic with him at a level that I don't think we've really seen in his Blue Jays tenure, So that that's pretty exciting for all the kakuchi heads out there. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Before we get out of here, actually, uh, on a little bit of a sillier note, and it's funny that we kind of decried the maybe lack of likability for the Blue Jays for this edition in 2023 at the beginning of the show because I want to end with just a little moment of uh Brandon Belt appreciation because he's been throwing out some big quotes this week and I think he will continue to do that with the Giants in town like he'll just be you know he'll be a bigger a bigger figure than usual the MVP thing we discussed that that was a, a gimmick that uh <laughs> Has, you know, hasn't been quite as loud lately, but I there's a couple a couple of quotes this week that really stood out and kind of hammered home. I mean, the chicken tenders thing was was notable back in the day. It, it really hammered home the notion that on a team that doesn't have a lot of guys who give a snappy quote to be honest, like even you know, going none of these guys they brought in like the Var shows of the world, the Whitmerfield Kiermaier Kiermaier sometimes has an earnestness that can be uh <laughs> likeable for sure, but in terms of that, you know, the snappy quote that you want uh, day in day out, some big ones this week from Belt. Uh, talked about facing Logan Webb, which he did on Wednesday. He said, "I don't want to hurt his feelings, just to embarrass his entire family," which was pretty good.
1: Uh, <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, then he and did it, it, it right, to right to off the top. Yeah.
0: I mean, I they didn't pull his entire family to get a sense of how they felt, but I, I'd like to think they were a little <laughs> bit embarrassed. And then yeah. about his off day on uh, on Monday said, I went fishing on Monday. I caught all the bass in the lake, set records. I'm banned from Lake Simcoe now because I didn't leave any for anyone else. Uh, you know, you're not necessarily going to get <laughs> me on fishing content, generally speaking. But it is, it kind of, it goes to show how little of the, a little bit of the on-field fun, but just the that kind of quirkiness has been, uh, hard to come by for the Blue. I, there's a Kevin Gosman puts a little bit of it out there with his sort of seeming lack of awareness of the world around him, and then comments on grocery shopping and all that jazz. There's a little bit there with Kevin Gosman, but Brandon Belt might be the the Blue Jays quotability MVP, which is I, something you might have guessed coming into the year, but I don't think he's I don't think he's necessarily like famous. Uh
1: i mean well the giants fans certainly have uh a lot of affinity for him and I, I i yeah i don't know that that the bread and belt brand belt deal has uh uh has, has spread much farther than uh, you know the bay area per se but maybe it has maybe uh maybe Dodgers fans know it too maybe the nl west knows it and we're just uh we're just we're just way out here stuck in uh wherever we are um yeah, no, I think he's been—he's obviously been great. Uh, the, the, the quotes are easier to take when he's like actually, you know, pro- producing some results on the field. Uh, that's been nice, but uh, but but there definitely is a, a thing, and going back to what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, yeah, there's just a lot of guys on this team who uh, it, it, it it seems to me they probably only think about baseball. Uh, so like to have a little personality is uh, uh, is a nice touch, particularly when he's like justifying that third spot in the order at the moment
0: yeah i mean we'll, we'll see how that goes and again yeah, at the moment. It, it is yeah. kind of funny how people's tolerance for like you said for this kind of stuff is very much tied to how players are performing like as if i did i did remember the, the home run jacket discourse last year well it's just <laughs> odd it's like so it's if you're having a tough time at work you should just stop having a personality like you should stop being funny <laughs> if if you're not doing well like i don't know just. It's like I get that people make this connection where it implies that someone is not serious about their job because they're not being serious in a moment. That's also not how it works at all. Like you can have have a bad week at work and then you can say something funny to somebody like you might be less inclined to do so because you might be more likely to be in a bad mood or whatever, but. You know, people who are professional athletes do not, uh, yeah, they don't actually have to think or talk about baseball 24 7 to be effective. And when they stop doing that, that isn't an indication that they are not trying hard enough at baseball. It's just a little disclaimer. <laughs>
1: Well, I do think that a lot of times people are like, "Well, I'm in a bad mood. Why are you not in a bad mood?" And it's like, "Well, because these people, part of the gig is to like keep an even keel. It, it really helps in your, you know, their profession." So,
0: also, like yeah. the sneaky thing about Brandon Belt is like maybe it doesn't actually matter that that much that he's great. Like I'm sure he'd love to be great this year and for the Blue Jays to win. But he's also won a bunch of World Series. He's made a bunch of money. He's playing baseball for a living. It's hard to know how long he has left. Like. You know, it might just be cool to be playing baseball. It might, that might be okay. That might be enough to fulfill him, even if his stat line isn't exactly what he might want it to be. And he might then just be a happy pro- I don't know. We're hypothesizing on a future where Brandon Bell sucks and keeps making jokes, and we don't know if either of those things will be true. <laughs> but I'm just saying, if Brandon Bell in the future, really begins to struggle, which I think is a definite possibility. Uh, well,
1: at some point in his career, um,
0: yes. <laughs> People should remain patient with him showing some personality, cracking a joke or two, and I think he still has the right. He has earned it. Great career, and uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who needed to hear that PSA. Probably
1: no- <laughs> well, the authorities of, of on Lake Simcoe, the uh, the Coast <laughs> yeah. Guard, or
0: whatever. There you go. Probably nobody, but that's all right. We will uh, we will talk to you guys again for episode. 105 at some point next week we appreciate all for listening reviewing rating any of that good stuff is excellent in our books uh, we look forward to that episode